0: I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe this far, and grace will lead me on. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Aren't you glad this morning you're not lost? Aren't you glad this morning that you're not blind Aren't you glad that you're a part of the family of God, healthy? As Pastor Rhonda mentioned, we pray for Afghanistan and we pray for COVID. If you'd have told me 40 years ago we would be where we're at today, I would have never, right. I would have never thought we could possibly be where we're at. And in prayer, I, the Lord gave me a thought. If the government can talk people into taking the shot, I'm, I'm not pro or con the shot. But if the government can talk people, multitudes, millions, into taking the shot, how much, are, how much easier much it going to be for the government to talk the world into taking the mark of the beast? Yep. Amen. Sure. That's the purpose and plan of the enemy. I'm not saying that COVID obviously of the enemy, obviously of the devil. I don't know if it's a precursor to the end of times, but according to Bible prophecy, there's not a lot of things that have to be fulfilled until the sudden, not the second, but the sudden, coming of Christ, the rapture of the church. I want want to be a part of that. I was a part of a funeral yesterday. Remember Big John? Big John's a part of this house, been sent out to minister. Last week, Big John's mom and oldest brother died. So he had two funerals this week, and I was with the family yesterday. And I'm just thinking about the fact that that coffin's not going to remain closed. There's a day coming when that coffin's going to burst wide open and, and John's brother and mom are going to rise up to meet the Lord in the air, they get that little head start, then we which are alive and remain. Do we have anybody alive in the building this yes, morning? Sir. Anybody excited about being a part of God's family, doing what God has for us, what God wants us to do? If you have a Bible with you this morning, I found an interesting passage of Scripture that deals with gray hair. now. <laughs> right, Hello. Isaiah 46, I did learn that while I was in Alabama for a couple of days that they named a hurricane after me, Uh Hurricane Henry. Yeah, I thought, how crazy is that? Isaiah 46 and 4, and even to your old age, I am he, and even to the white hairs on your head will I carry you. I have made, I will bear, I will carry, I will deliver you. Amen. In the modified version it says, I will rescue you. Yes. The Bible said, blessed is a hoary head, that white, and it's an honor to have Donnie's uncle with us this morning, that white hair, that beautiful white hair, he and I are, this, this message is all about us today, the white, the hoary-headed, <laughs> oh, the hoary-headed guys. Several years ago, I'm scared to tell you how many years ago, I was about 19 or 20, uh, there's a place in Southern California called Knott's Berry Farm. Uh, It's not as large uh, as Disneyland, but uh, it's a fun park. Uh, It's a park that's rustic. Some of you have gone to the store and bought Knott's Berry Farm strawberry jam, probably the best jam in the world. But there there was a season when Knott's Berry Farm did not have a fence around it. And it had several lot rides and several things that you could do for fun. I'm sure Chris and Susan have been there. Knott's Berry Farm, no? Oh, that's, that's another reason to go back to Cal. How many of you have been to Knott's Berry Farm? Look at our Knott's Berry Farm fans. Well, let me tell you what happened. There's a lake there, they called it Duck Lake, and the ducks would come in and people would feed the ducks. Well, the Duck Lake got run over by bikers. They pulled up their bikes, parked them, started drinking beer, throwing the knives at the ducks, and so Knott's Berry Farm spent a chunk of change, millions of dollars, and put a 12-foot fence around the entire facility, a big gate where you had to pay to get inside the park. Well, One year, my friends and I thought we would have fun and we would sneak into Knott's Berry Farm. We climbed the 12-foot wall and we got ourselves in the park only to realize that when you entered through the gate, they gave you a ticket that allowed you to ride all the rides. But because we came in another way, look at somebody say, "Another another way. Because we came in another way, we weren't able to ride all the rides. We were just there. We didn't have that special ticket. I believe there's a day coming when you and I are going to hear His voice, whether by the way of the grave or by the way of being alive and we really are going to rise up and meet the Lord in the air. But I don't want you to get to heaven and not have anything to do. I don't want you to get to heaven and say, well, I wish I'd have done more. I wish I'd have been more involved. Do I have a friend in the house today? I wish that I could have done more to receive more when I get to heaven. The Bible says that heaven's a place of reward. And I'll talk about that more a little later. But my thought this morning in four words, investing. In the kingdom, investing in the kingdom. Little boy had a great dad. Every day, the dad would come home. Little boy would meet him. They would go to the workshop, or they'd go to the back deck, and they would do a project, and they would do things together. They would ride bikes together. They would fly kites together. One day, they decided to build a model sail ship. And so, every day, when dad came home, the little boys there are waiting. They would go out in the workplace, and they begin to meticulously put together a beautiful sailboat made of balsam wood. It had real sails and when the boat was done they took the boat to the river and they would adjust the sails and they would sail the boat on the river and the dad little boy did this almost every day of their life. Unfortunately, the dad died. The little boy lost his best friend. One day he went to the river to sail his boat by himself. Wasn't paying attention, didn't turn the sails the right way and the little ship sailed into the river out of sight. He'd lost the boat. His heart was broken. Several weeks later, downtown, walking down the sidewalk, passing a pawn shop, he looked in the window, and there was his little boat. He was so excited. He was so happy. He ran inside and said, oh, mister, you found my boat. My dad and I made it. My dad's died, but, but I lost it, but you found it. And the store owner said, well... I don't know about all that, but I paid quite a bit for this boat. If you want this boat, you got to buy it. And the little boy said, that boat is mine, and I'll buy it. So he got a job, and the only job he could find was shoveling snow during the winter on the sidewalks in town, the businesses. Every day after school, he would get a shovel, he would go to town, and he would start shoveling snow. Or the story spread and everybody knew what the little boy was working for. And on that day of days, he had enough money to go into the store and buy the boat. The store owner was so happy that he was able to buy the boat because the town had been watching the little boy working and he gave the boat to the little boy. The little boy walked out of the store down the sidewalk and he said, little boat, you're now twice mine. First I made you, now I bought you. No, this morning you're twice his. He made you Amen. and he bought you. Yes. You are bought with a price. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That was the price that God paid for your salvation and for your life. And that's how, you, that's how important you are today in the eyes of God. He purchased you. He made you. He bought you. You belong to him. John wrote four, four books of the Bible, the third chapter of the third book of John, there's only one chapter, and in that chapter, verse two, most of us know the scripture, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. I believe we're living in a generation that God wants to bless us, God wants to use us, God wants to finance the things he's called us into. I have an old cliche, I don't know who came up with it, but it's the, the cliche is God blesses me so that I can bless others. And I believe that's why God puts us upon this earth, that we can make a difference in somebody's life. We talked about Isaiah last week, how Isaiah looked up in worship, and then he looked in in discipleship, then he looked out in evangelism. I think that's where every one of us sit today, that we are worshipers, we are disciples, and we are evangelists. All four Gospels tell a story, kind of an incredible story. To me, one of the most amazing stories in the Bible. It didn't just happen once, but it happened twice. But the story is found in Matthew 14, Mark 6, John 9, or or Luke, Luke 9, rather, John 6. I want to share John 6, the first few verses, if I may. After these things... Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is in the area of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did, on them that were deceased. Other texts will tell you that he ministered all day long. The day was running to a close. Evening was coming, verse 5, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth, which is six months' wages in that generation, is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, and the reason I love this, this translation of this particular story, because this is the only translation that shares this next verse. One of the disciples, Matthew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Jesus said to them, Make the men sit down, now, there was much grass in the place. It's an interesting fact that it was grassy. They were all sitting down on the grass. The men sat down, the number was five thousand. In that generation, for some reason, they did not count the women and children. But we know there were 5,000 men at that setting. If half of those men had a wife, that would be 7,500. If one of those had a, had a child, that would be around 10,000 people. So there's about 10,000 people gathered. They've been here all day. They're hearing the teachings of Jesus. He taught all day. He performed miracles. And he tells them all to sit down. And Jesus took the loaves and the fishes When he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto the disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered together, filled twelve baskets, which the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above them that had eaten. Then those men who had seen the miracle that Jesus did said, This is of a truth. That prophet should come into the world. I would have liked to have been there. I would have liked to to have met the little boy. I would have liked to have thanked him and complimented him for giving his lunch to Jesus. That's really all he did. He gave his lunch to Jesus. There's another time Jesus feeds the multitude, and there are actually, I think, seven loaves of bread that were brought to him, and he disperses it among the multitude. He feeds every single person there. And then they take up an offering, and there's 12 baskets left. Well, who got the 12 baskets? Well, that could be a twofold answer. I think the little boy got the 12 baskets. He sold his lunch. He went home with 12. Or maybe just to kind of a, not really a slap in the face, but not mud in their eye, but just to show the disciples who he was and what he could do. Every one of the disciples got a basket. There were 12 left over. You can tell the story either way that you want to tell it. But look at somebody and say, that was a lot of food. That was a lot of food. We know that little is much if God is in it. Don't ever feel like that all you got is a little lunch. Don't ever feel like all you got is a little snack. Don't ever feel like that you don't have a whole lot to offer to God. There is no telling what God is up to in your life. The Bible says, despise not little thing. Don't be worried about that you're only able to do a little. The fact is you're doing something. Mm-hmm. Something makes a difference. Something makes a change. To be something you've never been, you've got to do something you've never done. Surround yourself with healthy people. Surround yourself with people that are walking the word, that are worshippers, that are evangelists, that are disciples. Hang around them. Find, question their success. Ask them how they got to where they're at. You want a good marriage? Find someone that's been married 40 years and ask them how they did it. That truly really is a miracle of God how many can relate. We're getting ready to celebrate 39 years, I believe, the second time. The second marriage, 39 years. We had an anniversary this week, but we don't keep that one because that was the first marriage. It was a beautiful wedding, though, and it was gorgeous. A lot of people were there, a lot of fun, a lot of good memories. But I like the second marriage a lot better than the first marriage. If you're scratching your head wondering what's going on, well, several years ago, Pastor Ron and I experienced a divorce. We were divorced three years, and then she came crawling back, and I brought her back into my... Hello. We came, she can't... Long story short, we came back together, and now we're getting ready with the help of the uh, Herbal Life. We're getting ready to celebrate another 38 years of marriage. You want your marriage to last, stay healthy, take Herbal Life, and be healthy so you can live 38 years more. I have only one time in my life taken Herbal Life, so I don't know that's going to help you all that much. I do know that little is much if God is in it. I wrote down today that there are three areas of your life That God wants to bless. Three areas of your life that God wants to move. God wants to participate with you in your life. And those are the areas of your time, your talent, and your money. Your time, your talent, and your money. We know that in in Matthew 26 and 40, when he was in the garden, we know what was about to take place. He was about to be arrested beaten, crucified. We know the whole story. But in that particular time in the garden, he asked the disciples to give him an hour, an hour. It's amazing what you can do in an hour prayer. It's amazing what things you can accomplish in an hour prayer. It's amazing what will happen when two or three of you get together and begin to pray and begin to pray an hour. I remember there are times when Al Manga will come in, and he just wants to pray all night. He just wants to, he's the a, a, he's a praying machine. I'll get over my own little corner, I'll pray a little bit. He'll walk around and pray. And the next thing you know, we've been there two, we've been there two hours. We've been there, and I'm ready to go and get a snack. He wants to pray some more. I don't know what that's all about, but there's something about an hour invested in the things of God. When I think about investments, I think about certainly we invest a lot every week in our job. We invest, uh, every every week we invest in our family, whether we're married or with children or grandchildren. Every week we invest in our hobbies. Every week we invest in some kind of recreation. But how many hours a week are you investing in the kingdom of God? When Isaiah became a worshiper, he learned that he needed to be discipled. And he began to grow. He began to learn. He began to surround himself, with healthy, surround himself with healthy people. He began to do healthy change. There was a change in his life that was healthy. And we know Isaiah goes on to write, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That happened more towards the end of his life. That God began to reveal unto him because Isaiah was a praiser, Isaiah was a worshiper, and he was a man of God that was pursuing the things of God. Then there's the story of Matthew 25 and 4. If you don't mind going there with me just for a minute. We talked about your, your time. Matthew 25, verse 32. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, As a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, you came unto me. Then said the righteous unto him, Lord, when saw we hungry? When saw we thirsty? When saw we gave thee drink? When saw thee a stranger? When saw thee naked and clothed thee? Or when we saw thee sick or in prison came unto thee? And the king shall answer unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of my brethren, ye have done it to me. Back up just a few verses. Verse 14. There is a crown prepared for everyone that serves him. There is a destiny, there is a legacy in eternity for everyone that invests in the kingdom of God. This story is about Jesus. He is the, he is the, he is the rich ruler. He is the, the man that goes and takes a journey. We know the journey, that he's at the right hand of the Father. He's promised to come back. We believe that. For the kingdom of God is a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto him his goods. And into one he gave five talents, another two, and to another man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that received two gained other two. But he that received the one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, look at somebody say a long time. A long time. The Lord of those servants cometh and reckon with them. And so he that received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained besides them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He that received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides His Lord said unto him, Well done, thy good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he who received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man. He obviously had the wrong concept of Christ. Reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strong. I was afraid. And went hid my talent in the earth, and lo, there, here that is thine. The Lord answered and said to him, Thou wicked and lazy servant, thou knowest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawn. Therefore oughtest thou to have put my money to the exchangers, and that at my coming I should receive mine own with interest. Everyone within the sound of my voice have abilities. Some, obviously, more than others. I have people in my life that I believe that God has blessed them with five talents. There's another version of this where the second man is given three talents. I've always felt like a three-talent kind of guy. And then there's a person that, you know, they have a talent. They have an ability. They have something that they were designed and destined to do for God. So whether you are a five-talent or a three-talent or a two-talent or a one-talent, God has invested in you eternity. And what are you going to do with that talent that he has given you? I don't know what your talent is. The Bible says, I was hungry, you fed me, I was naked, you clothed me. I was in prison, you came to see me. We have, I spoke with the cold weather shelter uh, this week, Amy, who is over that. And in the past three years, we have donated over 200 coats to the cold weather shelter. to This house, 200 coats. We found them naked and we clothed them. Almost every week, Well, every, Pastor Todd, I would say every week, there's two or three bags of clothes. They're not put in stores. They're not taking Salvation Army. They are dispersed among, there's about 30 to 50 homeless people that we're ministering to in this city. Half of what you see in the lobby went to the homeless shelter. Every week this church is involved in helping a single mom or a widow or we're helping somebody. This church has a prison ministry. We pay for phone calls so that the the prisoner that's incarcerated can call his family. We pay for that. We've got it set up where they can call anytime they want. Call and talk as long as they want. They run out of money. We put more money on the card. That's what you do with your tithe and offering. That's what you do when you trust in this house and you invest in this house. That's what happens to your investment. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, there's going to come a day when you and I are going to stand next side by side and I, as your pastor, am going to give an account and we're going to look to God and I believe we're going to hear Him say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant, because you are involved in the kingdom. Give yourself a hand clap of appreciation. In Matthew, I'm sorry, in Matthew 25, I already shared that. I wanted to just comment on something I text Pastor Rhonda so I wouldn't forget. One of our favorite movies, and we watch it quite often, is Schindler's List. A true story of a powerful businessman that had a heart for the Jew uh, during the holocaust and i don 't remember, but it was several hundred that he actually bought and got into nine hundred and eighty nine or something like that, and they had a reunion uh, several years ago, and there was almost a thousand people there that he had smuggled out of uh, Germany and got them into israel and they got their freedom, got married, had children where uh, almost three million Jews were murdered during the holocaust, but there was a there was a chunk that he helped, and he got out, and they had a, they had a big celebration. And they're all there, and they were honoring him, and he was overwhelmed with their gratitude. And then he made the statement, I'll never forget. He said, I could have done more. I could have sold this watch. Yeah. I could have sold this car. Even though he saved almost 1,000 people, his attitude was, I could have done more don't get to heaven on the other side of glory and see everything there is to see and receive all the rewards that god has for you don't get there and say i could have done more i wish i could have done more i remember several 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 years ago there was a song that was popular in the church of god uh i didn't really uh, like the song it didn't have that great of a harmony or melody or whatever but the words i thought were interesting the song said Let me burn out for you. Let me. Now, I don't want anybody to burn out. But I understand the concept there. They're trying to say, I want to be on fire for God until the day he comes. I want to be doing something for his kingdom and for his glory. And so I'm, I'm telling you today that God calls you blessed. He calls you healthy. He calls you whole. John said, I want you to to prosper, I want you to be blessed as the spiritual man grows and the spiritual man begins to walk into the beatings of the Lord. God begins to open doors that no man can open, shut doors that no man can shut, and we begin to be guided by that voice, guided by that that hand, by that spirit, and we see great things happening in the kingdom because we are committed to him. There's another song that we sang in the old days. It says, what have you done for him Lately, what have you done for him lately? Sharing a popular quote that most of the world, the world has heard, John F. Kennedy said, ask not what you can do for your country. Yes, yeah, no, the other way around. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask more what you can do for your country. In the gospel of Matthew, it is the only gospel that shares this story. But in the, in, the, in the book of Matthew, there are three references to this story, but in the book of Matthew, it talks about a rich, young ruler. And the rich, young ruler come to Jesus and said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, obey the, obey the commandments, honor God, obey the commandments. And the rich, young ruler said, I've done this my whole life. I've always honored my parents. I've always loved God. I've always, I've always, I've always honored his, his commandments. And Jesus said, there's one area of your life that's out of order. I want you to sell what you have and give it to the poor. And the Bible says that that young man went away sorrowful. Right. Sell what you have and give to the poor. It obviously was a test of obedience God is not asking you today to sell what you have and give to the poor that's not what he's asking God set up tithe and offering to support the end time harvest tithe is a trust issue it's a hundred percent trust issue but when you tap when you tap into that trust issue you realize that the Lord doesn't just rebuke the devourer and all nations call you blessed but the Bible says that God opens windows and pours out blessings and I have looked through scripture And I will later in life, I will share a message just on the windows. But when God opens the windows, there are five areas of your life that God blesses because you are obedient in your tithe and his offering. And those are the areas of finances, the areas of physical healing, the areas of emotional stability, mental stability, And spiritual, five windows God opens when you write your name on that envelope and you put it in the plate. It doesn't finance the end time harvest. It opens up a plateau, a place that you can be where God opens windows and the Bible says pour you out so much you can't contain it all. You have to give it away. I want, to be that, I want to be that entrepreneur. I want to be that philanthropist. I want to be that person that has so much it meets all the needs that, he, that I have, and I can turn around and help meet the needs of others. Do I have a friend in the house today? He's not asking to sell what you have and give it to the poor. He's just asking to walk in the obedience of tithe and offering. In Matthew 19 and 16, they come to the garden... You know what, let's look at that real quick. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good Master, what, shall, what good thing shall I do that I might inter- have it, eternal life? And he said to him, Why call me good? There is none good but one that is God, but if thou will enter into life and keep his commandments. And there's a story. What commandments? I've done them all. I've honored them all. One area of your life, your money is your God. Your money is important than life. Your money, you're, you're in bondage to your money. Get rid of it and give it to the poor. When they come to the garden to arrest Jesus, the Bible says there was a young man that was following them. And as they went to put shackles on Jesus, the guard reached out to grab the young man and pulled the garment off, and the young man had nothing on under the garment. Probably a, probably a loincloth, but he was naked. He had nothing but his loincloth. My personal opinion, I think that was the rich young ruler. I think he was showing the Lord that he had gone and done what God had called him to do, and there he was walking in obedience. It's only found in that one chapter. It's not found anywhere else in the Bible But I believe that God honors faithfulness, that God honors when we invest in the kingdom. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this time of sharing the word. We thank you that there's life in your word, there's victory in your word, there's freedom in your word, and we walk in that. Father, if there's one here this morning that's wandered away from you, and they're not where they need to be, I ask that you would touch them. I would ask that you would let them know it's okay to come home. It's okay to come back to the Father. It's okay to give their heart to God. They could have walked a thousand steps away from you. It only takes one step to return to you. Give us that tenacity. Give us, that, give us the guts to turn away from the path that we're on and to pursue that path Isaiah talks about, that path where the righteous walk, and there's no lion or ravenous beast on that path. We ask you to do these in the name of Jesus. And they all said, Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the word this morning. It's 1144. And we're going to blow out of here. And we're going to get something to eat. We thank God for that. We thank God for all the blessing that he's bestowed upon us. We bring God's tithe and our offering to the storehouse. want to give you an opportunity this morning to sow into the kingdom of God. We've been teaching this flock. We've been teaching this body. To, uh, to set aside every week something to sow into the kingdom. Tithe is obedience, but, but your, your offering is more prophetic. I'm, I'm going to assume that the person that told Pastor Ron she got a 10%, he or she got a 10% raise is a tither. I'm just going to assume that. Oh, yes, right. Absolutely, without doubt, the tither. And I just believe God watches over t- I just believe that. I just believe that God watches over tithers yes. and God watches those that, that sow in the kingdom. If you need an offering envelope, have we served everybody, Matt? Thank you. Pastor Rhonda needs an envelope. Uh, Or needs an envelope. Chris, thank you. Awesome. Thank you. I want to, um, Pastor Rhonda. There you go. All of you have sowed something this week in the kingdom. I want you to take what represents your seed and just hold it up to me. Just let me see. You sowed an hour, you sowed some time in the kingdom, you prayed, you're somebody, come on, let me see it. Father, honor this seed. We plant it in good ground. We trust you for a harvest. We will watch it. You will water over it. You will fertilize it. You'll allow it to explode, germinate, produce plants, flowers, fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Before you leave this morning, hug a neck, shake a hand, elbow somebody, fist somebody. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the words of your mouth, the meditation of your heart be acceptable in his sight. Make sure and say hello to Donnie's aunt and uncle. Uh, we, saw, who did, we saw somebody else this morning. Pastor Ramon, always a joy to have you in the house of God. Little sister, always a joy to have you on the back row. Always a joy. Yes. Oh, yes, yeah, Charlene, yes. She Facebooked this morning and said, you weren't late. You were on time. You said you thought you were going to be late. Oh, you missed one song. Should we do it again? Are we okay? Are we okay with that? God bless you. We love you with the love of the Lord. Matt's got a friend with him this morning. Welcome. Glad to have you in the house of God. You are a blessing to us. Thank you so much. Uh, Enjoy the day. We will see you Wednesday at 7 o'clock. There will be popcorn, there will be homemade ice cream, and there will be drinks. Come be blessed.